Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. We uh, we continue on. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. And uh, by the way, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at the Northern Lights Event Venue. If you're looking for a, an event space this coming year and uh, you, know, it's, you don't want it too big, but you want something with a nice scene, maybe the Riverwalk of Milwaukee. Uh, something indoors, outdoors, whatever it may be. They've got something for everybody, whether it's a dinner, a wedding, a rehearsal dinner, a photo shoot, a business event, meeting space, uh, food catered in, not catered in, a bar, a workable bar. They've got everything inside Northern Lights Event Venue. Go to northernlightseventvenue.com. Again, northernlightseventvenue.com. That's Northern Lights Event Venue. Dot com and Bob and the gang would be more than happy to accommodate you and they have so much to offer so much different decor and lighting and, and photo sets and just all kinds of cool stuff down there so if you want to say do something with your uh, you know your business and then you want to get headshots for everybody that's a great place to do everything all in one because they have different backdrops and scenes and settings and such and really a cool place really cool place and then Coming up again this summer, I think they're going to do some music back outside on the Riverwalk, which is always going to be a, a, a nice thing to do on Wednesday nights. So there you have it. Uh, again, northernlightseventvenue.com, northernlightseventvenue.com. So my question at the beginning of the day was, with everything that is being discussed in Green Bay, do you think they're going to win on Sunday? Do they have the ability to put it all to the side, and say, okay, uh, everything's done. We're now focusing solely on the Minnesota Vikings, like Matt LaFleur really wanted to. But do you think that this team has the ability to just put it all aside and say, it's all Minnesota all the time? Can they do it? Can they go into Minnesota and get a win and then come back to face the Bears at Lambeau Field uh, on January 7th and close out this season and get themselves into the postseason. They win out, chances are they're going to be in the postseason. It doesn't matter what I think the Bears are going to do this weekend, but can they do it? Do you think they can do it? Uh, Tom says, and this is a good point, he said, this is where we're going to see what Matt LaFleur is actually made of. That which is a great point. That's a great point. This is where you find out what he's made of. Um, And going back to the conversation with Mike Clemens from earlier, um, when I asked Mike about, you know, this decision being made by Matt LaFleur, and he said, nah, I think this was Goody's old school. This might have been Gutekinst because Matt LaFleur might be sitting there thinking, you know, I've got a big one coming up. I've got Justin Jefferson we got to cover. There's really only one guy that can do that man up. Uh, And so – you know, they, they got to get that done, and maybe he didn't want to suspend them. Maybe he just wanted to talk to him and say, hey, what you did was wrong. Don't ever do it again. Uh, but Goody being old school, maybe Goody made that call. Um, but we'll see. Um, Bryce says, Murphy has nothing to do with it, LOL. No, I mean, all Mark does, you, you act like Mark's pulling all the strings. And what I would say to you is, tell me how you know that. Tell me how you know that. Because you don't. You can't. You can't give me a specific example. Did he hire Matt LaFleur? Sure he did. 
you know, he, but he didn't do it by himself. He didn't, he didn't walk away going, this is who I'm hiring. This is who you have to work with. Mark was blown away in the interview process and flew him here, and they all had the discussion, and they all looked at each other and went, hell yeah, and then they all came to the agreement. But you act like he sits there in the office every day and has every decision cross his desk, and he signs everything, and that's just not the case. I, I, it's just not, that's not the way it goes. You know, that's just not what happens. Um, now getting back into the wins and losses coming up this weekend, can they or will they? Um, GPA says, and no, this team's a train wreck. Wasn't even this bad under Ray Rhodes. Uh, well, wait a minute. Under Ray Rhodes, they had Brett Favre. And yes, they were. Yes, they were. Now, did they have the disciplinary problems? No, but they were also coming out of Mike Holmgren, who had a different discipline. And that, you know, in today's day and age, just doesn't fly either. So it, it just, I mean, old school styles, it's very hard to kind of wrap your arms around it. I mean, I would say Mike Tomlin's old school, Pete Carroll's old school, Bill Belichick is old school, Andy Reid is old school, but all of them have adapted. Maybe Bill Belichick hasn't as much, but all of them have adapted. And they're able to keep their teams for the most part. Um, Joe says, hell yeah, they have the ability. Alexander, don't forget, has hardly played at all this year. That's a great point. That's a great point. So my, my whole thing is, is not whether or not they have the ability to win the game. Of course they do. Of course they do. But can they, can, can this coaching staff regroup and focus on strictly the Vikings and put everybody's attention on the Vikings? You know? Can they put it? Can they just put it all on the Vikings and say this is? And sometimes, you know what? Sometimes outside noise is not a bad thing because then you can just say it's a distraction. But it takes away from it takes the pressure away from the daily and going over the film and realizing how bad defensively you were. Maybe it just puts the train back on the tracks, so to speak. It's not always a bad thing, but it can be. It just depends on how much you're able to overcome it. Yeah, Grant. Well, when used correctly, outside noise can be a great motivator too. Right, because a coach can say, "Look what everyone's saying about us and about our locker right. room." You're asking about Lafleur, Bill. Let me ask you about the players. If you had to name two or three players in this locker room, offense or defense, that you think are the most important voices, the most important uh, leaders, some of the most important players to actually winning this game, who would be the two or three players that you would think? Um, if I had to say, there's three guys that have to play well. I would probably say, well, obviously one is Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, I would say has got to be, if I'm going to have a guy step up, it's either going to be Quay Walker or, or Devondre Campbell. Okay. One of the, one of those two guys have to have to either Quay Walker has to emerge or Devondre Campbell has to be that vocal veteran leader. One of the two. And then a guy like Rashawn Gary, but you know who would, it would be out of character, but people would listen and that'd be Kenny Clark. Yeah. So Kenny Clark could be a guy that could just step up and go, wait a minute, you know, guys, we got to wrap our arms around this thing. Do you think those four or five players that you mentioned, I would say Aaron Jones is probably maybe not on field as much, although he had a a ton of yards against Carolina, but he's a veteran. He's respected. Do you think that group of players is buying into what's going on with Jair or do you think they're saying 
to. We got a game to win. We we can't we can't um, worry about this because I, I think I trust those players to keep the focus. Yeah, this week. I I think that um, the Jair thing probably throws people for a little bit of a loop because you hate to see a guy next to you disciplined like that, but you understand it and now you move forward. Plus, it gets kind of an attention getter. You know, now that that's all leadership stuff, you know, now as far as play guys that are going to play, because I don't even know, you know, Quay Walker's been a little bit nicked up, but Devondre Campbell, you know, he may, he's probably not even going to play this week because he didn't play last week. And he said, he's not going to hurry back because he gets blamed for everything. So can you be that leader, even though you may not be playing on the field, which is why you could look at a guy, you could look at a veteran like Preston Smith, but I still think if I'm going to have to look for leaders, uh, I'm going to say, Quay Walker or Devondre Campbell, but again, Campbell's got to be playing. But Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, uh, def- all defensively speaking, uh, offensively speaking, the two guys that I look to would be one Aaron Jones, and uh, and the other one is Jordan Love. Those two guys, uh, I think, have to be have to be the leader. And Aaron Jones probably carries as much weight in that locker room as anybody. So I, I'd probably go in that 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 direction. And maybe that's what Matt Lafleur does. Maybe he leans on. The veterans. Maybe he just says, hey, guys, you know, uh, look, I can only do so much and I can only talk so much. Maybe this is something that you you guys, I'm going to give it to you. And you guys kind of rally things. And maybe you go into that that direction. But that that's probably, uh, those are probably the guys I would have to look at. Um, this is from uh, Matt. Matt says, I was wondering, since Jair has been suspended, was his being left home for the Giants game the first attempt at discipline? We don't know the details, Matt. It's a great question, and it's a lot of speculation, and I would say yes. I would say yes. And here's the reason why. Because the way they ruled him out doesn't happen. It it doesn't usually happen that way. They ruled him out on Saturday when they were getting on the plane. Because usually you're questionable until Sunday morning, and then they'll rule you out. He was he was left behind. So there's more going on there than and, and that's probably the reason he's suspended, not just for the Sunday antics. The Sunday antics was probably the straw that broke the camel's back. But it was probably a build up to where they've said, look, dude, we're tired of it. Stop it. And then they left him off the plane. He got more antsy, so to speak, and did what he did on Sunday. And then they finally said, OK, enough. Enough. It's this is not the Jair Alexander Packers. This is the Green Bay Packers, and uh, that's when they went ahead and made the decision to suspend him. So, but again, if say Matt Lafleur is the one that ruled him out, maybe it came down to Gutekind saying, as Mike Clemens said, saying enough. It doesn't matter. I mean, even again, even because it sends a, it sends a message, doesn't it? Uh, a big game coming, a game you have to have. A game against a team that has a premier receiver that you you know you had this this rivalry esque type of game with last year in the second portion of the season, and you know you taunted and kind of came away with the betterment of. You would think that they would be gearing everything towards this game coming up with Justin Jefferson. And if I'm Jair, this is what I want. This is the marquee matchup. I want to be highlighted in this this game on Sunday night on New Year's Eve. I get a chance to go against one of the best. And then to have them say, nope, we're just tired of it, you're done. We're, it doesn't matter the size of the game. We, you are not going to be bigger than the team, which is, was part of the message that Gudikins put in the statement. So 
I th- this might have been actually a good thing. It might have been something to where they're firing a salvo over the bow of the ship that, uh, you know, hey, if anybody wants to run rogue on this team and you think you're going to get, you know, kind of your way or no way, then you know, you're going to find yourself on the suspension list, which does have an effect, too, contractually, um, if you have enough detrimental things that happen. So, you know, I and I don't know all the ins and outs of that, but I do know that there are certain things written in the contracts about stuff. So, anyway, uh, can it be a good thing? Of course it could be. Of course it could be. Um, this is from Paul. Paul says, uh, like the others have said, uh, is this where we find out what Matt LaFleur is made of? How does that work? Uh, unless he is dressing and playing uh, defensive back on Sunday, once between the lines, we still have one of the worst secondaries in the league and uh, going against one of the best wide receiving cores in the league. Uh, Minnesota quarterback is only saving grace, but remember DeVito as well. And that's Paul Manasher. Paul, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, you know what, Paul? It's not necessarily about – uh, who covers who? It's about do they play different? Do they play inspired football? Do they get after it, or do they look like they're on their heels? Has the message trickled down to the defensive coordinator that we're not going to go down being passive? If we're going to go down, we got to go down swinging. And how aggressive and focused and such is the offense? How how well are the play calls via the head coach? Because there were some questionable calls in the game against Carolina. They won the game, and they put up 33, and you applaud them for it. But I think they left a little bit on the table. Uh, and some of it was just strictly play calling because it just some of it just didn't make sense. And if they get certain players back, how much more can they open up the offense? And what can, you know, how, how does Jordan Love play and the focus and, how, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you'll know. I mean, I don't sit, have to sit here and give you deep, detail by detail of what you're looking to see or hoping to see. You'll know. You and I and every other Packer fan out there, sometimes you don't need the statistics to tell you what it is this team is doing. You can just look at it and say, here's the eyeball test. And either it looks good or it doesn't. It looks focused or it doesn't. It looks tenacious or it doesn't. They look passive or they don't. You know what I mean? And you'll know. You'll know. You'll be able to say, okay, he did a really good job of wrapping his arms around this whole thing during the week and getting them focused and ready for Minnesota. Or if they come out, and again, we're talking about communication errors, and you're going into a very loud venue, and you had communication errors at home, you better get your focus together this week because you're going into a place that is just deafeningly loud. If you've never been to U.S. Bank Stadium, they put on one hell of a production when it comes to sound, the use of that god-awful horn, pounding of drums, skull, Music, I mean, and then it just amps up the fans who get extremely obnoxiously loud. It gets loud in that place. And if you're having communication errors and you're at home, come on, man. You know, you better get your ass together going into U.S. Bank Stadium. So we'll see. And that's what Matt LaFleur has to deal with this week. 877-867-1670-877-867-1670. Hit us up. This portion of the program brought to you by friends at Robert's Specialty meats in Waukesha. Go to Rob- and I'll tell you this: for Christmas dinner, for uh, Christmas Eve, went to Paul Roberts and I had ordered a uh, some prime rib, and he gave me this cut. It was we needed about six pounds, and it was spectacular, spectacular. When I got there, I couldn't believe it. And this was Thursday of last week. The line was out the door for people that had lined up and ordered and started looking for the meat salads and all the different things that they offered down there, deli wise. But people were lined up, and I got my uh, – I got I to gotta tell you, I got the prime rib, which was spectacular. It was so good. Got the prime rib. Even got – they carry a lot of Wisconsin products, so they had some port wine, spreadable cheese. So I grabbed a little bit of that. 
And it was a great, great, great Christmas Eve. It really was. Uh, the prime rib, the food, everything was fantastic. And it all started with our hometown butcher. That is Paul Robert uh, and Robert Specialty Meats down in Waukesha. Go to robertsspecialtymeatswaukesha.com. That's robertsspecialtymeatswaukesha.com. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. This portion brought to you by our friends at Master's Ease. Did you get what you wanted for the holidays? Did you get what you wanted for Christmas? Maybe not, right? And now you've got uh, the winter months starting to set in. Now you're thinking about indoor stuff. So if you're thinking about indoor stuff, it could be a pool table. Could be a table game. Could be bumper pool. Could be darts, dartboards, the accessories. You name it. Maybe a... Maybe an indoor bar and some bar stools and such to go with it for your game room or the, the cave, whether it's the man cave, the she shed, whatever it happens to be, any of that stuff. That's our friends at Master's Ease, and they've got some great specials uh, and stuff left over from uh, the summer months. Or maybe you want to start thinking about the summer months and start building the, uh, the inventory now to take out on the patio come summertime. They've got it all, and there's a reason people come from all over. It's because of the quality that they have. You can see it today, get it tomorrow. That's Master's Ease on Blue Mound Road in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Call them today for all the in-store specials, 262-746-5931, 262-746-5931. Again, 262-746-5931. That is Master's Ease. Go see Rob and the gang right there on Blue Mound Road in Brookfield in that great big new showroom they have. So many different things you can take a look at. You can sit in, you can touch, you can feel, you can smell everything, and then uh, kind of picture it in your home, and then get it tomorrow. Who knows? But that's our friends at uh, Master's Ease on Blue Mound Road in Brookfield. Coming up here at the bottom of the hour, Ted Davis, uh, the former voice of the Milwaukee Bucks, is going to join us. Ted, longtime uh, voice of the Bucks and a great relationship with Senator Cole. We're going to talk with him uh, a little bit about the, the senator and his passing. And uh, coming up in the last hour of the show, and I just talked to him, he just texted me, uh, Peter Fagan, the president of the Bucks, uh, who then took over after Herb Cole sold the, uh, sold the franchise and they kept it here in uh, Milwaukee. And uh, Peter Fagan got back to me and said he'd love to come on the program too. So we're going to have Peter Fagan, uh, the president of the Bucks, is going to be joining us as well as the Bucks coming off of the road trip, coming out of the uh, victory in Brooklyn last night. So both of those guys are going to join us today. Ted Davis coming up here in about five minutes. Peter Fagan coming up in the last hour of the program. Um, so anyway, uh, El Ruco says stadium pumps in audio does not belong to the NFL. WWE fake showtime crap, not what the NFL should be equating to. Um, they they pump in music and but everybody does. Now nobody pumps in crowd noise the way they used to. Man, when they had the dome in Minneapolis. They pumped in. I mean, you could stay. They had speakers in the corners of the end zones, and they were obvious. I mean, they were there, but it was, you know, when the PA announcer spoke, they were almost like bass sub speakers, but it, they boomed. But when you stood next to them down by the field, I mean, you vibrated next to these things because they pumped in so much crowd noise. So, oh, yeah, no, no doubt. Um, Keith says, let's be real. Winning the next two games and getting bounced badly in the first round of the playoffs isn't what this team needs for the future. The Pack is uh, better off losing the next two games, getting 
uh, and picking 10 spots sooner in every round, strengthening this team for the future, prove me wrong. It's not about proving you wrong. It's about an opinion. And I go back to the opinion of a guy like Aaron Rodgers when he talked about his first playoff experience. And they lost that game. They got they were getting beat early out in Arizona. Uh, and then they showed the moxie and came back, uh, got that thing tied up, and went into overtime before they ultimately lost the game. And he talks about what he learned and the what that young team learned about getting to the postseason after a dismal couple of seasons and getting bounced out of the NFC Championship game a couple of years prior uh, and guys that were still there and the experience that they learned about how everything in the postseason gets amped up and amplified in the way it's, it is to go on the road. And that galvanized them for then their Super Bowl run. So you can say, prove me wrong. I'm only giving you what the guys inside that locker room stated about their first taste of playoff experience. I, I think playoff experience and learning how to, like you're facing adversity right now. If you galvanize and win the next two games and go in and, and who I mean, we don't expect them to beat San Francisco or Dallas, but could they go toe-to-toe with, say, Philadelphia? Maybe. Philadelphia's not playing their best football right now. Could they go in and have a decent showing in Philadelphia, play in one of the most hostile environments in all of sports in Philly? That'd be a great learning experience for this team. I mean, just because they're not going to win a Super Bowl doesn't mean it doesn't benefit the team. It gives them all a taste, something to work for. If you lose the next two games, what have you learned? What are the guys on the field learned? Well, the veterans are frustrated, and the young guys didn't learn what it's like to get to the postseason. They learned that, you know, the collapse is the collapse, and, you know, the one thing you never want to get to the point of, and that is beginning to accept losing or mediocrity. And you're betting on people that are unproven in the National Football League. So if you want to go by that logic, look at the, okay, you're going to draft up, say, 10 spots sooner. How successful of the draft have they been? The first couple of years of Brian Gutekind's drafts were terrible. So that didn't strengthen the team. Those two years actually hurt the team. Recently, yeah, the drafts have been better. Absolutely, I'll agree with that. But in the case of prove me wrong, I'm just going by what the experience was for the guys inside the walls. I'm not talking about guys that aren't even on this team yet. So I think it would be good for this team if they ended up getting into the postseason. That's just my opinion. Uh, 877-867-1670, And the other aspect of that is, do I think they're going to win a Super Bowl? No. But what happens if they win a game? Let's just say they get they draw Philadelphia, or let's say they they meet up with a San Francisco team, and on that day it's a bad Brock Purdy. You know, Brock Purdy throws five picks. If you don't have a shot at winning a game against San Francisco, picking off Brock Purdy five times, I mean, then then you've, you're pretty sad. But then you know at least what you what you need going into the offseason. I'm just saying, I think uh, postseason experience is a good thing. I'm not telling anyone how to fan. Like, you can cheer for whatever you want. I just think uh, the instance where losing is best is very rare. Like, if the Packers were getting right. rid of the entire coaching staff, let's say they had fired Matt LaFleur already, and they're going into this offseason, they're going to hire a brand-new head right. coach, brand-new regime. Sure, but a lot of this core is going to be back next year. And don't you want them finishing the season strong and coming back on a high note? I, I just have a really hard time thinking losing is what's best for just about any team.
losing is not good. Losing in the division to twice to the Vikings and then splitting with the Bears. And no, I don't think any of that's good. I, I just, I you know, they beat Detroit in Detroit, right? They they were able to do that, and they were able to look good doing it. Why not? And if they go on the road and they play well anywhere, you know, it's not a bad thing. I just don't think – I don't think getting to the postseason is bad when you're trying to get to the postseason. That's your goal. And to accept mediocrity or sub-mediocrity because you want a higher draft choice I think is a very dangerous path to go down. I mean, if you're – if you're, say, vying for the top five draft choice, that's one thing. Because you know your season's gone, it's done, it's over with. But if you acquiesce now, I think it's a bad thing. I just do. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. And, uh, again, I just think any playoff experience is good experience. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Point Brewing. Go to Point, P-O-I-N-T, Point Brewing, up in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Brewing excellence since 1857, whether it's the traditional lager, it's the snow pilot that's out right now, or like, you know, Cider Boys, some of their, uh, their, their off-brand, so to speak, that have gone so national and been so well accepted. Uh, whatever it happens to be, they've got something for everybody, and it's right here in the state of Wisconsin. Thanks to our friends up there at Point Brewing in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. More of the Bill Michael Show. Ted Davis talking some uh, Senator Cole coming up. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Good to have you. Bill Michaels Show. Continuing on. Yesterday, sad news. The uh, the senator, Senator Cole, passed away. Former owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I got a chance to know him. Uh, I got into town in 1999. And the, the Bucks ended up going to the postseason that year. We started doing pep rallies and playoff parties and such down there and George Carl was walking into an ovation inside the Bradley Center and and uh, just in the travels with uh the senator you talk about a guy that just wanted to win but a guy that knew him so much better than I did uh the former play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Bucks longtime voice and good friend Ted Davis now joining us uh, on the hotline Ted how you been pal uh you know Bill I'm doing fine uh saddened by the news yesterday that Herb Cole passed away and you know, I got to know him in 1997 when he hired me uh, to do Bucks games. I'd been doing Dallas Mavericks games for 13 seasons total, uh, nine full-time. And I was in a position where I was open for change, and I sent in a demo and uh, a resume to John Steinmiller. And in August of 1997, I met Herb Cole for the first time at the Fister Coffee Shop, where he interviewed me. And as I learned later, that's where he interviewed most people that he was going to hire and so I took the job and worked for him for 16 years and you could not have had a better boss in my opinion Uh, he really truly cared about his employees Uh, he did not have a family himself as you may know and he Mm -hmm. really felt that the people that worked for him were part of his family and if you were if you were good at what you did and I was uh, he left you alone. He let you do your job, and uh, he ended up paying me well. And I could not have had a better boss. And here was a guy who really did everything he could do 
to make Milwaukee better, including keeping the Bucks in Milwaukee, which he eventually yeah. did. You know, Ted, I had said that, I mean, in those years when, especially during the Eastern Conference Finals, when I got a chance to travel with you guys, and I had some conversations with the senator, and, and I think a lot of the misnomers when people said, ah, oh, they don't want to win, they just care about the money, and you talk about a guy that really just wanted to win and win a championship. I mean, that – that was the senator. It was he never ever mentioned money. He always talked about how what they could do to get better and how much he wanted to win and how he just wanted to stand on that podium and hoist a trophy just one time, you know? Well, you can argue with his results on the court. Did he make wise decisions on his spending? Did he make wise decisions on the coaches he hired? But I never doubted his desire uh right. to win and and he spent money. He was not um, he was not a skinflint when it came to spending money. And if it was all about money, I, let me tell you a story that uh, he told me and John McLaughlin. John McLaughlin and I actually became friends with her. Uh, he was more than just an employer to us. We became friends with him. And about three or four times a year, me and John and Herb Cole would have lunch with him somewhere. And we'd sit around for two hours and just talk about everything. We'd talk about sports. We'd talk about politics. And uh, this was uh, right after he had sold to uh, uh, Lassery and Edens, and he was talking about the process of selling. And he said that during that process, in fact, very late in the process, he got a call from Steve Ballmer, who was looking to buy um, an, an NBA team. And, of course, Ballmer came out of the Bill Gates Microsoft money. And uh, so Ballmer asked Herb, what's the highest bid you got right now? And it was $550 million from Lassery and Edens. And Ballmer said to him, I will offer you $1 billion today to buy your team. But I want you to know that I'm going to move it to Seattle. And Herb Cole said no. He could have doubled his money, but I was sitting next to a man, and he told us this story. I was sitting next to a man who turned down a $1 billion. That's how much he wanted to keep the team right. in Milwaukee. Yeah, he just he wanted it here, and he was even the guy that then, after that, reached into his pocket and gave a hundred million dollars back just to keep the or to help build the Pfizer form to make sure that they stayed here. Yeah, he did all of that, and uh, he picked the right guys to sell it to, and he did a very clever thing too that people don't appreciate. He put a clause in that contract uh, to Lassery and Edens. And it got approved by then-Commissioner Adam Silver. He went to Silver and said, I want to put this in the contract. What do you think? And Silver said yes. And what that clause was was this. Uh, Lassery and Edens, um, if they could not get an arena deal done and they wanted to sell the team, the only option they had was to sell the team back to the NBA for $25 million more than they paid for it. So the, the incentive was there for Lassery and Edens to get the arena deal done because Herb had seen what had happened in Seattle where the mm -hmm. owners from Oklahoma City had bought the team, went through a half-hearted effort to get an arena deal done in Seattle and kind of sabotaged any attempt to get it done when it looked like it was going to get done because they wanted to move the team to Oklahoma City. He made sure that there was an incentive for Lassery and Edens to get the deal done in Milwaukee. And I thought that was very clever of Herb. Talk about Herb away from sports, because you had numerous uh, opportunities to go to, to visit him. Uh, Wyoming, right? Wyoming or Montana? 
No, it was Wyoming. He had a pork yeah. ranch out there uh, that he ran as a nonprofit dude ranch, and it was for his family, his extended family, his brothers, his cousins, his nephews, and all of that, and for anybody he liked and wanted to have you know, a vacation out there. So I went out there like three or four times, and the, the thing I appreciated about Herb, and as I mentioned, uh, John McLaughlin and I would have lunch with him three or four times a year. Um, well, John McLaughlin and I were not on the same political aisle that Herb was, uh, but he was he didn't care. Um, we would talk politics, and we'd tell him our opinion, and he would tell us his opinion, and he never held it against us that John and I didn't necessarily agree with everything he agreed, you know, with politically. And I'll never forget one time when Obamacare was being discussed and he, we were having lunch with him and the vote was coming up and he said to us, he goes, what do you guys think of Obamacare? And I looked at him and I said, well, Herb, do you want to hear what we really think? Or do you want to hear what you want to hear? <laughs> right. You know, and he goes, no, I want to hear what you think. And John and I weren't real fans of Obamacare uh, for a lot of reasons. I won't go into all of them. But we told him what our reasons were, and he listened, and he goes, hmm, okay. Well, he eventually voted for Obamacare, but he wanted to hear our side of it, and he didn't hold it against us that we, we right. didn't agree with him. I think we've kind of lost that in this country today because yeah. we're, we're at a point where if you disagree with me, I want to destroy you. Um, right. Herbal's not like that at all. He was willing to listen to, to all sides. He, I mean, take a, aside the fact that he owned the Bucks, but he did obviously a lot for the state of Wisconsin. But you talk about a guy that genuinely cared about, you know, now I don't want to say constituencies, but about the state, about tourism and, and venues and cared about uh, the perception outwardly looking in of the state of Wisconsin, correct? Oh, yeah. Uh, he was a big promoter of Milwaukee in particular. Uh, he was born and raised here, and his story, his family story, is the quintessential American success story. You know, family immigrated from Russia, uh, didn't speak English when they got here, but they were clever and smart and hard workers, and they started a mom-and-pop mom store on the south side of Milwaukee that, according to her, was like a melting pot. I mean, all kinds of languages mm -hmm. were spoken in there, Russian, German, Polish, Czech. I mean, it was – I would have loved to have been in there one day and just to see right. what was going on. And, and, of course, we know that that became a chain of grocery stores, and then they opened the department stores, and they all became rich. And that's, that's the quintessential American success story. But Herb was always willing and understood that you got to give back. And he did, not only uh, by keeping the bucks here, but he was – a big charitable donor for a lot of things in Milwaukee. And the other thing that I think people need to appreciate, and this is how much he cared for his employees, uh, after he sold the team, the day, in fact, he sold the team, it was in May of 2013, I believe, um, I got a letter, an, uh, an email, the, the day the sale happened, and it was a thank you from Herb Cole for all the years I had worked for him and he gave every employee a cash bonus on his way out the door. And I don't mind telling you because I, I just want people to understand how deeply he cared about employees. My bonus was six figures. Okay. So wow. I read that, I read that letter and I saw the six figures down there and I thought, Oh, that's great. That's for the entire, you know, all bucks employees. We had about a hundred employees at the time. We were kind of lean by NBA standards, but I looked at that, 
number. And I went, oh, that's got to be for everybody. And I said, okay, that's a decent number. And then I read it again. I realized, no, that was actually for me. And John McLaughlin got the same thing I got. Pashy got the same thing I got. And uh, I just couldn't believe it. And and we, we think that not only did he give all employees uh, some money, he gave every arena worker, everybody who worked at the Bradley Center, got a check from Herb Cole. And we figured that he spent about $7 million on bonuses just to say thank you. Wow. That's, uh, that's amazing. Uh, is there any particular story uh, off the top of your head that uh, you want to share before I cut you loose, Ted? Well, uh, because of him, I got to go to the old office twice and meet two presidents. And uh, <laughs> I remember when we were going to meet Obama and John McLaughlin and I were there and uh, Herb Cole we were standing outside the White House about to go in, and Herb Cole, he walked up, and he said, he looked at me and John, and he says, you guys better be careful in there. We were like, oh, why? He goes, because I'm told that Obama can smell a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, oh, okay. I said, well, I'll keep my mouth shut. And so we go in there, and we meet Obama, and the first thing that I really noticed about Obama was he smelled like a pack of cigarettes because it turned out he was a chain <laughs> cigarette smoker. And he did. He smelled like Krakatoa or something. And it, was over, it actually was kind of overpowering. I was like, whoa, man, this guy smokes. So anyway, when it was all over, on the way out, Herb Cole was walking with us, and I said to Herb Cole, and this is how you could joke with Herb. I said, hey, Herb, you, you said that Obama could smell Republicans, right? He goes, yeah. I go, that man smokes so much he can't smell anything. And Herb just laughed, you know. And, and also, what was funny, um, we were we had all shaken hands with Obama, except remember Luke Richard Bamute? Yeah. Well, somehow he had not shaken hands with Obama, and we were about to walk out, and from the back we hear, "Mr. President, I am Luke Bamute, and I have not shaken your hand." <laughs> and Obama kind of looks up and goes, well, Luke, I'm sorry. Come on up here. And Luke right? came up and shook his hand. And I, I realized then that what that meant to a lot of our players to meet an, his, an historic figure like Obama, to see someone like them who had become president of the United States, it was a big moment for them. So I got yeah. to meet Clinton and Obama right there in the White House. That's awesome. Ted, always a pleasure. You're doing well. I know you're doing some uh, play-by-play down there for uh, a few uh, football games, correct? Well, yeah, I'm doing a little bit of that. I'm working for a university down here. They asked me if I could upgrade their streaming broadcast, and I think I'm certainly capable of that. Um, I I was born and raised in Texas. I'm back here in my favorite part of Texas, the Hill Country, where I'm about an hour outside of San Antonio. And uh, life is good. You know, I was uh, thanks to Herb and uh, a long career in the NBA, we're living the good life down here. Great stuff, Ted. Uh, stay healthy. We have a great new year, and we will talk hopefully again soon. Okay, I appreciate it. All right, happy new happy new year to everybody in Wisconsin. I miss talking to you, by the way. I enjoyed doing the games. Yeah, I loved uh, doing that. The post game, traveling a little bit, having some fun times on the road, which was always fun. And I still got some great stories we can never share on the air, but that's always fun too. <laughs> All right, Bill. Bye. <laughs> All right, buddy. Talk to you later. There you go. The great Ted Davis joining us for a couple of minutes and sharing some stories about Senator Cole and his passing. And, uh, you know, when you talk about the figures of Wisconsin that really, uh, in my time here, changed kind of the landscape, uh, you got Bob Harlan, 
Senator Cole, Bud Selig, Barry Alvarez, uh, Pat Richter, uh, some of those guys that really wrap their arms around organizations and change the direction or enhance the direction of which they were going. But uh, great stories and great stuff from uh, Ted Davis. Certainly appreciate him being here. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Steny, second to National Walker's Point. They've got wing night tonight. If you want to stop in, they've got them on sale this evening. Uh, head down to check out the uh, Thursday night football game. A little bit of wings down at Steny, second to National Walker's Point. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Doesn't matter what you got, if it's got uh, cloth to it or any, uh, maybe even leather for that matter, whether it's a boat cover, awning, gym equipment, office furniture, so much more for your business, for your home, for your boat, whatever it is. Our buddy Dwayne at Dwayne's Cover It All, D-U-A-N-E-S, Dwayne's Cover It All.com. That's Dwayne's Cover It All.com in Wausau and absolutely positively the best, the best. Call them 715 870 2119. 715-870-2119. He can even, uh, like when we had a little bit of a, um, a nick, a little hole in some of the, uh, the furniture that was in the RV uh, because we had a bicycle that was in there and it, the, the pedal had punctured uh, part of the couch. And he, he fixed it. Like you'd never even know it was there and fixed it miraculously. It was amazing. And they can do that, too. So, uh, Dwayne'sCoverItAll.com. Again, D-U-A-N-E-S, Dwayne'sCoverItAll.com, whether it's for upholstery uh, or awnings or gym equipment and office furniture, boat covers, bimini tops, travel covers, whatever it happens to be, he can do it. So, start lining it up now and getting your uh, getting your vehicle in, getting in uh, maybe the seats, the chairs, whatever it happens to be. Or if you, say, own an office and you want to get all your desk chairs reupholstered and redone, you can do that, too. It's a little bit cheaper to do it that way. So, again, D-U-A-N-E-S, Dwayne'sCoverItAll.com, 715-870-2119, 715-870-2119. Uh, there you go. 877 uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. By the way, uh, Doug says, a big dog, Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, Timothy Thomas, George Carl, got a big fine for uh, stating what everybody thought. And you know what? Here's the thing with that team. I love that team because it was just a diverse group of personalities that all came together on the court. It was it was just Irvin Johnson was a different personality. Tim Thomas was a different personality. Glenn Robinson was a different personality. Ray was Ray was different. Uh, and George Carl just came in and, and stirred the drink and made it all work. And I think in a, in a lot of ways kind of toughened everybody up. And he had a way of doing things. He was... Um, I think he was probably a more abrasive Phil Jackson. He's very deep, very philosophical, very well-read, but more abrasive than what Phil Jackson was. So didn't have that same success, but for that group of guys at the right time, you know, Scotty Williams, throw him into the mix, even Mark Pope, you got a guy like that, Darvin Ham, the role players they had, that was, that was a fun team. That was a fun team to hang out with. It really was. It was a good group of dudes, man. A lot of fun. 
Uh, 877-867-1670. Coming up in the next hour, you're going to hear from Matt LaFleur and the conversation he had yesterday, which we want to get back into that particular uh, discussion and the question that we've been asking all day. And it's been kind of actually should probably be a poll question. Maybe I'll do that over on uh, on Twitter on X. But uh, with all the distractions, everything that's uh, circulating right now around 1265, uh, the Jair Alexander suspension, the calls for Joe Barry's head, the defense that's been dump trucked three straight weeks in a row by quarterbacks that had no business being and looking that good, Um, the injuries that this team has sustained, Matt LaFleur having to answer questions. Do you think, do you think this team has it in them to win the next two ballgames? And here's something to think about. I'll give you some statistics when we come back. Uh, you're going to hear from Matt LaFleur, but I, I want to give you some things when we come back to think about because it's the reality of what some of you were saying on the live stream earlier today when we were talking about the Jair suspension and, and during the Mike Clemens discussion. I want you to hear some of the statistics and then have you go, okay, wait a minute now. And, and then you kind of back it up a little bit and go, okay, this team can win. And here's the reason why. So we're, we'll get into that discussion when we come back uh, after the top of the hour. So just kind of hang right in there. Also coming up, uh, we got Paul Charchian right after the top of the hour. So don't go anywhere because we got fantasy football. You're going to hear from Matt LaFleur in this coming hour. We'll talk more about that. But we're going to get the lowdown via fantasy, and I got some fantasy questions from you that have emailed me. Also, we're going to talk with Paul about what's going on in Minneapolis. We'll get his side of, uh, of things uh, up there with the Vikings and, how you know, obviously the importance of this game, but the fact that they're a little bit beat up as well. And can Mullins be the guy to guide them to the postseason? So we'll get his perspective on all of that. That, my friends, is coming up next. Stay right where you're at. Got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this.